you or me? <laughs> that, that is you. Oh, no, wait, hold on. Wait, you just did a Cuphead DLC, so it is me. Yeah, I think we'll just go till I run out, and then if you want to finish off. Sure. <laughs> um, welcome back, everyone, to uh, the Please Don't Listen to This, Your Life Depends On It 2022 Game of the Year episode. Well, and there were a lot of games this year. Yes. Uh, I think we have a message from one of our other hosts. I That's correct. That uh, I had planned on doing it when we came back up here. So we have correspondence from... Our uh, host on assignment, Seb. Now, Seb, like Cam, did not play a ton of games that came out this year, which is okay. Yeah. You don't have to be a psycho freak like us who plays uh, 500 games every year to uh, enjoy some stuff. Yeah, but it helps. Yeah. So, this says, Dear PDL, TTYL, DOI, Game of the Year Committee. For your consideration this year, I have the following games. One, Pokemon Scarlet. Two, Sonic Frontiers, and three, World of Warcraft Dragonflight. Wow. We'll definitely be talking about Pokemon later. Also. Yes, we will. Uh, the first of these three is so far a lukewarm entry to the Pokemon franchise to me. Its visual glitches are distracting, but the gameplay is, overall, unaffected, except when I soft-locked my game within the first two minutes because of a camera glitch. I've only played up to the third gym, two Titans, and one Team Star hideout, but it's enjoyable enough that I think I'll follow through to the end of the three story threads and the Elite Four. Sonic Frontiers was surprised by not being an absolute pile of garbage. It introduced new gameplay into a franchise that has been pretty stale for a long time. It's still pretty rough around the edges, has issues with tone, and the cyberspace levels are all rehashes of Green Hill Chemical Plant and Sky Sanctuary tile sets dropped on top of the level layouts from other Sonic games, which is disappointing. There is potential here, but even the enjoyable sandbox gameplay of the overworld is dampened by the other frustrating mechan mechanics, like the endless tiny cutscenes, being forced into 2D sections, etc. Uh, I thought, I seriously thought this was going to top set list. Well, the way they were talking about it. But I realize it is just their special interest and it does not necessarily mean they think it's good. Um, <laughs> World of Warcraft Dragonflight, which nobody but me cares about, is the new game that I've enjoyed the most this year. I haven't hit level cap yet because of the previous two games and being busy in general, but I'm having a ton of fun with it. The team, this, the team really came out of the shit show that was Shadowlands and realized that they had to overhaul their entire design philosophy. Not only are the systems much better, Dragon riding is so fast and cool, but the story and characters are too. They've gone out of their way to add inclusivity to the point that it's almost hilarious. I don't think I've seen a single straight couple on the Dragon Isles. And some of my favorite characters are getting tons of screen time and are well written. Of course the art team always kills it regardless of the quality of that expansion, so there's that too. Despite my love of this new WoW expansion though, I think my game of the year would have to go to Dune 1992 for the Amiga. Oh, hell yeah. Happy holidays, Seb. <laughs> Thank you so much, Seb. I find it very interesting to hear about the Warcraft update, especially since Blizzard really seems to be shitting the bed in other places this year. Mm. Oh, man. Uh, you will notice that Overwatch 2 does not appear on any lists. Uh, I will mention it briefly. <laughs> <laughs> that is all. That's um, all you get. And the people who like Diablo are in for some real shit coming up, apparently. Yeah, I that trailer looks kind of good, though. I don't all right, know. all right. Well, you know what? Maybe maybe things well, could be turning around for the old Blizz man. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, the closest relation I had to Blizzard this year was uh, playing a game that was based on a fighting game they made before they did anything good. <laughs> uh, yeah. But thank you so much, Seb, for the correspondence, uh, especially talking about Warcraft and Sonic Frontiers, something that is not on either of our lists. Yep. We appreciate this perspective, and I hope you're enjoying your break. Uh, all right, but next for me, uh, let's see. I left off at Kirby and the Forgotten Land was my last thing. So that means next is Tunic. And uh, I 
love this game. Tunic is a... It's kind of an isometric perspective that gives you the 2D Zelda feeling. Right? Because there's no jumps. They're definitely trying to do Zelda. They are, but there's more <laughs> to it than that. They are trying to do Zelda. They're trying to do A Link to the Past. But they're also trying to do Zelda 1. And part of how they're trying to do both of these games is the, the feeling of receiving a manual for a game that's in a language that you don't speak. Because this game, part of this game's gimmick is that you start up the game and you, you, know, you can find weapons and items, you can explore areas, but there's no text anywhere in this game that you can read. It's all in a fake language. Yeah. All the signs, all the, spoke, all the spoken dialogue from the characters, which there isn't a ton of, and you, a collectible within this game is manual pages for a fake physical manual that you would have, that uh, you can open up in a menu. And they don't come in order. You don't start with page one. You don't start with the table of contents because there are secrets on page one or, or page two or whatever that you don't get to learn about until way later in the game. And this is a game for people who love to talk out loud to themselves while they're playing. <laughs> to say, I think this means this, or I think I have to go here. The mystery and wonder of playing a game is something that in some ways is lost to me. And when I first played Zelda 1 for the very first time uh, a couple of years ago, uh, before we ever started the show, but uh, way later after it came out, of course, I played this. I played Zelda 1 for the first time on an original NES all the way through in 2017. And let me tell you, folks, it was really fucking good because I didn't know where to go, because I didn't know which items did what, because I got to experience it for the first time with just a manual and a map. I had a fucking blast with that game. And the wonder of discovery was what made it special. Uh, I like a game that gives, presents you with a clear goal and tells you what is going on. I like games that flood you with text telling you what to do. I played The Witcher 3 earlier this year. I don't think there's any ambiguity in that game anywhere. But that's fine. It doesn't have to be. But this gave me something else. This is giving you the NES Zelda experience and you don't speak the language and you're collecting the manual pages and all the weapons and items are cool. It gives you a weird little grappling hook that's kind of like an organic tether almost. It looks like a weird little tongue. And um, the, the combat isn't like crazy fun necessarily but it's more about the adventure. And um, also, on top of that, the art style is great. It's these tiny little doughy 3D polygons that look like you're playing with little mini figurines. You're, look, you're playing with Playmobil, not Lego. It's not Lego, because Lego doesn't do rounded edges very yeah. well. Uh, so when you see trees and bushes and stuff in this game, you can tell that this is like a certain kind of plastic. And the perspective and the music and everything just works into the atmosphere and figuring out this puzzle the puzzle of this game was so cool when you figure out what the golden path is in this game it is a genuinely mind-blowing moment in a, in a way that i i don't know that i how to compare it to something else i, do, I don't even know where to start comparing it to something else this game came out in the same month as elden ring and I'm okay with mentioning them in the same breath. It's like really, truly crazy. Did you keep any physical notes for this game? Did I did, in fact, keep it. physical notes for this game. That's I don't the measure think... of a good game like this. Mm -hmm. I don't think I had to, except for one really, really crazy puzzle at the end. Mm -hmm. 
And um, there are uh, there is an ending to this game that doesn't require you to do any of the extra shit, but you should go for the full ending because it is incredibly cool. The quote-unquote true ending to this game has one of the most fun puzzles in any game I have ever played. It is really, really cool. Yeah, I I was kind of interested in this, and I've heard a lot of people talk about this game. Mm-hmm. Um, my like really dumb psychological hang-up over this is that I, I do kind of resent the hubris for naming your game Tunic and making it about a guy in a green costume. Uh-huh. It is, like, way beyond... Uh, saying that we're going to make Zelda 1 is, like, the most hubristic mm-hmm. thing someone could do ever. And I don't even really care that they seem to have done that. <laughs> I, I'm just pissed off that they did that. You're, you're annoyed that Babe Ruth pointed the bat to yes. the outside of the stadium. It's Stop. like, oh, even if he does it, like, fuck you. Stop. Um, but, yeah, no, I. this is a, a big-ticket game. A lot of people have... A lot of people I, whose opinion I really respect have said that this game is very good. I mm-hmm. uh, just won't play it because I'm petty. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should look up the cool stuff about it if you're not going to play it because it's, it's really I, excellent. I will probably play it in five years. And I'll be All like, right. Haven't you heard about Tunic? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that moment. Um, yeah. The, All right, what do, you, what do you got next for me? Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I think I'm going to do tight couple minutes on uh, their early access for Gloomwood because All it right. is uh, uh, weird that it's not out and it's one of the best we games that came out We have this talked year. about hang-ups uh, a little bit on terms of the things that make us not play a game. I have a thing about not playing a game until it is 1.0, yeah. which is the reason I haven't played Gloomwood and the reason I haven't played Ultra Kill. Even though there is plenty of game in <laughs> yeah. Ultra Kill that I'm sure I would really, really enjoy... But I'm like, no, I'll, I'll play it when it's 1.0. I'll play it when it's done. Yeah, I'm that way about a lot of things. Like, I'm currently holding off on both Baldur's Gate 3 and Darkest Dungeon 2, two games that I know I will absolutely adore, but uh, they're not done yet. I was I waiting to hold out. Uh, the One of the things, that, the big ones that I was able to hold out on was Hades. Yeah. I, I was following the development of Hades almost the whole way through, but I was still like, I'm not playing that shit until it's done. <laughs> and I'm happy I waited. It was really good. Yeah, I'm that way for a lot of things, but when... Uh, I've, I've been following Gloomwood for forever because like, oh, yeah. um, like uh, how I mentioned Weird West earlier, I can just clock a game that is made for me. Mm-hmm. This absolutely also is a game that's made for me. I've, uh, a lot of, I've been following a lot of those for a long time. Um, and a, not as many of them came out this year. Last year was more like the coming to a head of a bunch of games that I had been following for a long time where they all yeah. released at once. And then next year is a big one. A <laughs> game that I have been following for years for like the entirety of this podcast, at least, a game called Pizza Tower is oh, coming out. Of course. And me as the big Wario Land 4 guy, yeah. like, I cannot wait for that fucking game to come out. January 2023, allegedly. All right. I'm excited. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely want to play that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this when when I had heard that Gloomwood was coming to Early Access, I've been following all the New Blood guys for forever, because, well, since dusk. Uh, and I am really into the kinds of games that they publish and the kinds of people that they bring on board at their studio. Um, they value the kinds of things that I value mm-hmm. in my small indie games and games I, in general. I would agree. I've also been following the development of all of these guys. And um, Bloomwood is something that's very, very interesting to me because it pulls from a different area. It pulls from the Thief games as opposed to, like, Doom or Quake. Yeah, it is. Uh, and System Shock. And, yeah, it is an immersive sim in a way that those kinds of games don't really get made anymore. And 
Uh, they're, they're hard to make. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mentioned Arcane earlier in the show, but like they were the, kind of the last bastion of that, the last studio that was still kind of making these. And even they have, like, Deathloop is kind of an immersive sim, but it goes in a different direction. And their next game, Redfall, seems like even more of a departure for them. Uh, but uh, the, what, basically what sold me on playing this in early access and not just waiting until it came out was that uh, it, they basically said, Dylan basically said that um, this is like the first two areas of the game basically in their release date. And I'm like, oh, perfect. Okay, I will play the opening of this game again gladly when it comes out for real. Um, and it was, a, it's a ton of fun. It, I really like Thief, but I never finished the first one. It's a long game and the, the levels are not, uh, there are some memorable zones in that game, but the levels are not amazing. I think that this game does a better job of taking what made Thief work. I think that is the game that has been on my backlog for the longest time. I've been halfway through Thief for maybe a decade. <laughs> uh, it used to be, until the year 2020, the game that had been on my backlog for the longest time was Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. <laughs> and then I finally fucking buckled down and beat nice. that. And now it is Thief 1. <laughs> um, a lot of these older immersive sim games can feel clunky. I think that the, they did a great job of modernizing the controls a little bit, but still being faithful to what made those games fun and interesting. Um, a lot of good line of sight, light and shadow stuff. Um, they like the like elevator pitch for this for Gloomwood is that they like to say that it's thief with guns and like uh, being able to shoot a revolver at a guy is cool, but mostly like you're not fighting guards one-on-one -on -one with your handgun. You're using it to shoot out lights, or you're using it to mm -hmm. blow up barrels and stuff to open new passageways, and uh, it's all set... This whole first level is set in, like, a cannery, like an old-style fishing village uh, factory. It's so cool, and uh, I you kind of work your way up through that, through some caves, and then to a uh, tavern where basically they say, under construction, the rest of the game is here. Uh, and uh, it was just so cool to explore all of that and see how stuff interconnects and just see all the influence there. I One of probably top five most anticipated games uh, uh, for me, and I just can't wait for them to finish it. All right. I'm really happy to hear about this update. My hang-ups about not trying this game until it's 1.0 um, are keeping me from playing it, but I would like to say I love everything I know about this game. I'm really looking forward to playing it. I'm, I know I'm going to love this. And I think they're doing great stuff over there at New Blood. Pretty I think sure. that they, yeah, I think that they are making some really cool games. I'm happy they have a niche, and I have, I'm happy they have people who are going to follow them and make it viable to make a game that is not, <laughs> you know, a billion dollars to make. Yeah, it, it's it makes it really warms my heart how many good indie games are coming out, and in particular for stuff like this, I'm happy that it's not. This is not something that has like a Game Pass connection. You know, this is not something that is. Yeah, being sold to a subscription service, it's being like sold on Steam for money, and and you can fi watch the development of this game by following the person on Twitter. Yeah, you know? and that stuff rules, and I love how how, how kind of small time they are because like uh, publishing indie games has kind of become its own cottage industry. Like mm -hmm. a, a Devolver Digital is like much bigger than the Nublet Collective is. Yeah. <laughs> Just by like a order of magnitude. I played a really good uh, Devolver Digital game at the end of uh, 2020 after we had already recorded the game of the year called uh, Disc Room that mm. fucking kicks ass. But <laughs> it was able to happen because of 
you know, a, a, an indie publishing label. Yeah. Right? And you've got people like A24 is picking up games and, uh, or, and, and not A24. Actually, they did do some. But uh, Annapurna is what I meant. Oh, yeah. Uh, Annapurna Interactive are picking up a bunch of games. And, you know, uh, fucking Xbox is, like, publishing people because they want more games on their platform and all that. <laughs> yeah. Like, this stuff is is serious. This stuff is, is money to people. But it's also, like, all these guys, uh, the, the big money people, the, the Devolver Digitals and the Microsofts of the world, they want to own Stardew Valley so bad. They <laughs> wish they had that, but yeah. they never will have that, so they want the next one. Yeah. And it's nice that even if you're not making literally Stardew Valley or what will become the next Stardew Valley, you can find a community of people who will make your game at least profitable enough for you to make the next one. Yeah, true. Okay. What do you got next for us? Next thing on my list is something that goes away from the wonder of creating with a single team and a little more towards the cynical side. This is TMNT Shredder's Revenge. This game is a fucking miracle. Uh, this this is something something that can be talked about among people who like arcade stuff like me is how the beat 'em up for the most part is not a real genre. It is a quarter eater thing that is like you have fond memories of because you liked the X Men or you liked the Simpsons or you remember the smell of pizza at the arcade right, you were at when you did play these games. We used to play eight players on the big cabinet. Yeah, it's so <laughs> cool. The X Men cabinet has six players. It's oh, so players. fucked so up good. and it's really cool and good. But like the game itself, removed from be putting quarters in, removed from the environment of the arcade, is not especially good. It has good things about it: the aesthetics, the music, the the sprites, whatever. But the mechanics are not super special. And there have been plenty of times where games have moved to elevate that. Like the home console versions of Streets of Rage 2 and 3 are really, really, really cool and good. And Streets of Rage 4, which I talked about on my last year's show, yeah. was legitimately one of my favorite games of the year. And shows that with uh, even without like a full progression system where you unlock new moves, this genre can be made into something fun. Just a beat-em-up that isn't Devil May Cry but still has like you know a, a kind of simplistic combo system can work and be fun and this is less way way less extreme than streets of rage 4 because streets of rage 4 is fucking hard and it like has serious hardcore combo mechanics this is meant to be something that you could legitimately play with children or with your friends or with somebody who's 40 years old and remembers these versions of the ninja turtles these are the 80s versions of the ninja turtles they're not the ones that I have nostalgia for, but I like these versions plenty. I, I, I think they they got all the voices that are still around. They they uh, got them to sound just right. They got them to look just right. The sprite art in this game is gorgeous. It's a four-player beat-em-up. But you've got uh, one of the things that immediately sold me on it was that it's not just the Turtles you can play as. You can also play as April, who's, who is, since she's in the 80s con uh, like version... She's not a ninja herself, but she's swinging around a camera. Uh, she's got she's hitting people with a mic stand. She's using news equipment and doing Shun Li moves on people. <laughs> Very fun. You can play as Splinter, smacking people with a walking cane and like uh, doing all this extra stuff. He's shorter. He's faster. He's got all these crazy moves. And you can play as Casey Jones once you unlock him in the main story, who is just a great, fun character, hitting people with all kinds of sports equipment. Uh, and back in the 80s, before he had been kind of reformed by the movie, he was way more of a weird freak in a hockey mask and uh, who, who yelled Goongala, which was his catchphrase. And um, 
you go to all these iconic places from the 80s cartoon, again, something that I don't have any nostalgia for, even though I know all these weirdos. Um, but it's just a really good, really fun beat-em-up. I played through most of this with Emily, who does not like this kind of game, and we actually had a really good time. And, like, it's just the thing that you can put on. You can put on when you have people over, and it's just, like, something you can play while you're talking. The music is by T. Lopes, who is the Sonic Mania guy, oh, and it does not fuck around. This, this game's soundtrack is incredibly good. It is made in a style reminiscent of if this had come out the year after Turtles in Time. They, that's basically what he wanted. And the sprite art is, like I said, better than anything uh, that you could ask for. This game, It is a miracle that this game came out because people are so stingy with intellectual property and brand recognition and all that shit. And it's not hard to get a Ninja Turtles game, but it's certainly hard to get a good one that isn't like a tie-in to anything. Yeah. This game sure. is really, really fun, and I think it's it's super great. Yeah, I mean, I going back to what you said earlier, like, mm-hmm. um, we didn't play this game, but um, we had met up at Friend of the Show, Andrew's house, and we just cracked open the collection that they Yeah, the Calabunga collection. And we just played one of the random, I don't know, the arcade game. Or I believe whatever. it was the Hyperstone Heist, <laughs> which is TMNT3, maybe. Yeah, we might have we, played one of the other ones. And we just, like, pretty much played through the whole game. We were just sitting there having a couple beers or, you know, having a drink or two. And it was like, a lot of fun. It's great. The, yeah. These kind of beat-em-ups are great for that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And, the, and this one, one, sounds awesome. with its kind of, like, leveling up and, like, uh, different move mechanics, is just complex enough to where you have new stuff happening, like, stuff to look forward to, right? You, that you're unlocking. But it's not, like, an RPG, Right. Right. Um, it's not that. Extra yeah, there's not like you're not. There's no skill tree. There's no menuing for this kind of thing, and you're even at the end of the game, your move set is very simple. Yeah, it's fun. Great. It's really fun, and uh, I had I had a great time with it. All right, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to talk about a mod mm. this time. This is not a not a, a full game. I think I, I know the one you're bringing up. Actually, a very old game. It came oh. out in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the um, VR mod for Half-Life 2. Um, Half-Life 2 is a video game that came out in 2004 that um, was uh, huge and influential and amazing. Um, it's a very good video game. I like Half-Life a lot. Um, I haven't replayed Half-Life 2 in a minute, so it was really cool to me to hear that somebody like, spend a bunch of time to mod in virtual reality to it. Um, and uh, with Half-Life Alex being a thing and having uh, come out a couple years ago, um, it, I already knew I liked to play this kind of game in VR. So, uh, like, I was so in for this. Um, and it is absolutely astonishing how well this game that came out in 2004 plays like it was made for VR to begin with. Uh, they did an amazing job mapping everything so that it would work, it would feel good. Uh, a lot of accessibility options and toggles and stuff, especially for a game as vehicle-heavy as Half-Life, or Half-Life 2. Um, I got into the fan boat and didn't immediately want to throw up, which maybe is just a me thing, but uh, they did a good job with making it not feel insane. Um, nice. But... The gameplay was fantastic. It, it, I mean, it, Half-Life 2 is already a very good video game that I like, uh, but um, this is probably the way I would want to play it if I uh, replayed it in the future. Um, I uh, blitzed through it in, like, uh, four or five sittings, hmm. and it was just... It was amazing. Uh, the one thing that we, like, didn't really get in Half-Life Alex, they, they give you 
gloves where you can pull items to your hand, which is very well suited to the medium. But you don't get to play with the gravity gun uh, since it's a prequel. It's like, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But full, uh, finally getting the gravity gun and getting to play with it in so, VR. So, like, when something gets thrown at your head, you catch it with the gravity gun. That's, that's got to feel, like, amazing, right? It's it was I was playing with the, ga- the gravity gun like it was a new toy. Like, it felt <laughs> like it was... Like it would have if I had played this when it came out. Like if physics was still new, uh, it was so so fun. Um, especially because that Half Life Two is kind of built around playing with the physics and getting to be there in kind of that scale is so cool. Especially in chapters like Ravenholm, where it's like, oh, you're shooting saw blades at zombies. It's all about using the gravity gun. Uh, or in the finale of the game, where it's just a victory lap, where you have your gravity gun all powered up. Uh, getting to do that stuff from that perspective, and um, it was just incredible. Uh, I was shocked at how well the all of the models, how well it all held up. Like uh, the textures and the models in Half Life Alex look amazing, and they're all in such great detail. This still looks like a game from two thousand four that you're standing in, but. I was still noticing details in that game that I never saw. It turns out that if I was looking at a low-poly model of someone in real life, it wouldn't bother me that much, (laughs) which is kind of a fucked-up thing to think about. Yeah, I don't know. But it it was a triumph. It really was a fantastic way to experience a game. This must have been a long dev dev project, right? I must. I I didn't know about it until I heard that it came out, (laughs) which was great. The best kind of way to experience it. Yeah, I mean, like, the fucking Resident Evil 4 one needed fucking Oculus Facebook money to come out, so I have to imagine. And this is just a free update. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't have to spend a single cent, aside from the fact that I bought a VR headset. But um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I already own that. I set it up in my living room, and I got to play a fantastic game in a completely different perspective. It was great. Okay, I'm going to hit you with a fighting game double whammy. All right. So, first up, and much quicker, is the Capcom Fighting Collection. The Capcom Fighting Collection is not a new game that came out this year. It is a collection of old games that came (laughs) out this year, but games that have not had a legitimate release. So if you played on consoles, which, I mean, a lot of events are played on consoles, uh, you didn't have a way to play the excellent Cyberbots, which is a mech fighting game where you pick a pilot and then you pick a, uh, uh, a mech, and then you go at each other with it. And it's so, so fun, man. You like having the air dash, that's all the rockets. You have like a rocket fuel meter that's separate from your super meter. So like you can boost around. And <laughs> but when you run out of boost, you can't move around as much. And you can, all these uh, mechs have arms that you can like tear off with a special move called the arm ripper that everybody has. <laughs> and that means they can't use their weapon attacks. So like if somebody has a missile launcher and you rip their arm off, they can't use the missile launcher anymore, which makes them more vulnerable to attacks from the air and like all that stuff. Great game. You couldn't play it before this year if you were playing on console. Came out in the 90s. Uh, also, a game called Red Earth, which is a fighting game RPG in a weird yeah, way. You I've would, heard of that. You would go to the arcade and you would put your quarter in and you would go through a little story mode and your character would level up as they fight these giant bosses, but it plays like a fighting game. And you would get p- password for the upgrades your character got. And the weapons your character found and their gear would increase and your characters would get better and they would learn new moves. But then if you wanted to play against someone else, if you remembered your password, you could input it and have all your fucking gear yeah, and play against someone else with a different cool. fighting game moveset from someone else. And uh, there's a character in this game that should be in every Capcom fighting game ever from now on called Tessa, who is the wizard from this game, <laughs> or the witch, I guess. 
who fights with all these crazy spells and potions and a big cannon that she summons out of nowhere. Really amazing character design. Love her giant hat and her poofy pants. Um, Red Earth is a super cool game as long as you figure out how to do the, the passwords before everything. And this game also includes every Darkstalkers they ever made. Uh, which is, which fucking whips. It includes all of the Dark Sockers. It includes the Puzzle Fighter. It includes uh, Pocket Fighter. Pocket Fighter is like the, the chibi, like goofy, fun yeah. fun game where you knock gems out of people when you hit them. And uh, I, I, I kind of glossed over it, but Vampire Savior, something that Cam was saying by accident earlier, is on this collection. Vampire Savior is maybe the greatest fighting game ever made, according to me. Uh, <laughs> it is... The has the best animation, has the most fun. It uh, did air dashes and shit before Guilty Gear, did EX moves before Street Fighter. It did all of this stuff before it existed. And on top of that, it invented all those characters you love to look at porn of. And <laughs> it invented fucking Anacharis, the mummy who uh, plays like Dolphin. I was going to ask if it was the one with the mummy. It sure is the one with the mummy. <laughs> that game rules, and I'm happy that people can play it in an easier way. I played it in a tournament earlier this year at Combo Breaker, got my ass beat, and it was fun. <laughs> It's really, truly one of my favorite fighting games. The second fighting game in this fighting game double whammy is DNF Duel. Now, DNF Duel is a fighting game based on a Korean MMO called DNF, which is something like Dungeon Fighter Online or something like that. Okay. Which has, if you play that game, it's made with sprites, and you pick a team of three, and they do have, like, fighting game moves that they can do on the enemies in that game. So all of these characters in this fighting game are based off of player classes in this oh, Korean MMO, fine. which is cool because it means that everyone is cool enough to be the main character, which is a little frustrating for me, who likes playing as the ugly, hideous side <laughs> character freaks. Yeah, but where's the piece of yeah, shit? They don't have any of those in this game. They're all they're all cool and, and uh, distinct enough to be their own main character. So like, the classes uh, of this game, you've got like the striker, the grappler, who are, so there's your martial, two martial arts archetypes telling you exactly what they do. The striker is very rushed down. The grappler is a grappler. Uh, but you've also got the ranger who fights with two, like, pistols, you know, like, who can zone you out. You've got the hitman who's got guns and a sword who can do all kinds of crazy stuff. The troubleshooter who is, like, a guy from the options menu of the original game uh -huh. who got turned into his own character. Um, the ghost blade who has a stand with a katana. You've got uh, the fucking Berserker who can sacrifice his health to increase his combo on you, which is way more fucked up than it sounds, and it already that sounds owns. really fucked up. Yeah, that this game is made by Aiden, who uh, did like kind of semi-uncredited development work on some of my favorite fighting games, including Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and Tatsunoko vs. Capcom. And their design philosophy is basically like, we could make everyone as fucked up as they can possibly be. Which everyone is, it always says that that's what they want. They're like, don't nerf the characters, you should make other characters good. And it's like, if everyone is busted, busted <laughs> then you don't want to play that game. And I'm telling you, but I have to say, the, the, the design philosophy of wouldn't it be funny if is as very good when it comes to a fighting yeah. game. But I didn't have a big scene for this game, like I, there weren't a ton of people around me who wanted to play it. Every time I've turned on this game and played with somebody who uh, had played about as much as me, which is like a couple of hours and we don't know that much, we're still figuring out moves. Uh, by the way, one thing that this game does that I think is a cool idea, Grand Blue also did it for fighting games, having a special move button, like Smash basically, where 
like like the B button in Smash where you press a special move in a direction, up, down, left, or right, and it gives you the special move, makes it so that switching from character to character is very easy. It's not hard yeah. to figure out. And it doesn't feel broken in this game. There are some things that do feel broken in this game. That's not one of them. <laughs> um, I think that's a good beginner feature to have. And uh, this game was a good time, but it, it just didn't stick with me like, like a Guilty Gear Strive or like a uh, TMNT Cross Justice League Turbo. It doesn't quite have what I am looking for in a fighting game, and it also doesn't have any weird freaks, which I think is, which is my mark against the game. <laughs> I, I will say that I, I'm very happy it came out, and if somebody tomorrow asked me, hey, do you want to play DNF Duel? I would say, yeah, sure, I would love to. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're up. Uh, all right. I'm, I think I only have a couple more. Okay. But um, I think I want to talk about Norco now. Norco! Yes. I finished this game as well. I had a good time with it. This was... I had a good, bad time with it. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. I um, didn't really play too many indie games this year. I kind of go back and forth about whether I like am interested in trying a new game I've never heard of that I just, you know, like, saw a Twitter thread about or something like that. Or I saw, like, it pop up on my Steam front page. I am, I, I kind of wax and wane about when I'm that adventurous, but this was a game that, like, I saw a screenshot, maybe, and I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to buy that. Uh, it is so, so cool looking. Um, it is, like, some of my favorite pixel art I've seen in a game in a long time. Um, the, like, even... From the visuals, I was sold, but from the premise, I was even more sold. I loved the... It is basically a sci-fi via rural Louisiana. It is uh, like a uh, kind of down-home southern game about the uh, about how bad it is to live there, but through a kind of cyberpunky dystopia lens. Um, and this is all kind of wrapped up in a uh, narrative adventure game uh, with some point-and-click elements and, like, a couple combat encounters. Um, but it is written so well. It definitely feels like it takes some Disco Elysium influence. Um, if not in the narrative, at least in the, like, vertical text scrolling on the side of the screen. Uh, the quality of life feature I want every narrative game to have going forward. The mind map. Yeah, yeah. the mind map, too. I forgot about that. Yeah. I just want people to take some stuff from disco and i like like you don't even need to take the narrative or the tone or anything i Just have take heard some of the stuff take some of the work that they did with the ui and the regrettably listeners neither of us have played citizen sleeper which i heard does this exact thing yeah i'm down for it i i think that uh, disco is an amazing game that we talked about for two different episodes on the mm -hmm. podcast but um, I am just, I think it has revolutionized a couple things as far as where narrative adventure game or narrative games in general should be. Mm -hmm. And so I'm happy to see another game at least seem like it takes some inspiration. The um, oppressive economy in this game is going to stick with me for a while. Because <laughs> um, it's a single player game that has like real solutions, but if you don't figure stuff out and you. Uh, are getting around by taking like a fucking Uber from place to place. Yeah, that those costs add up, and you don't have money. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's really like in the end, it turns out not to matter. Yeah, but um, in the moment, I certainly felt that I was having pressure put on me. Yeah, and it, it plays into like the weird like app economy dystopia that feels so real, mm -hmm. and uh, like they 
Uh, they they do some fun stuff with the perspective shift. I think that um, the way that they tell the story is interesting by backtracking through the way that your character's mother mm-hmm. kind of played and then talking about how your character feels about all of that. And the, the way you gain and lose party members in this game is really uh, interesting. It almost reminds me of Earthbound in that something might happen to someone that you're with and all of a sudden they're not there anymore. Yeah. And like it's like, well... Are they going to come back? It's like, well, maybe, but you're they're not the most important thing in the world to them. They have other stuff they need to do, or they can't follow you here, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's a really interesting game. It's pretty short, and it's, uh, like, almost all about the narrative. So mm-hmm. it is worth experiencing for yourself if that's, any of this stuff sounds interesting. Um, the kind of... It makes you say the kind of sentences that you wouldn't say in a normal <laughs> game. Like, for example... Um, Emily was watching me play this, and she's like, why is that guy on the ground? I'm like, oh, I, I knocked his teeth out. And she's like, why'd you do that? And I'm like, because I had to get into the gas station. And she's like, you couldn't have done it another way? And I'm like, well, I could have, but I didn't want to. And he was being a dick. <laughs> like, like, And it's like, in real life, I'm not going to punch someone in the face just because I want to get into the gas station. But in this game, there's like the situations are different. That, like The things were feeling heightened. And I'm not doing this because of, like, I'm feeling GTA, like, oh, I can do anything. There were definitely things, like, where somebody asked me to make a moral choice, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, and they give it to you, they give you that option all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, and it, there's, like, a little bit of detective game steez to this. There's a lot of great, uh, a lot of funny writing, a couple, of like, good lines that I, mm-hmm. love, like, still remember. Like, one of the characters that you meet, um, you're looking for your... Um, you're looking for your brother, I believe, and mm-hmm. he's miss uh, this this guy who is a private detective misses an important detail because he was taking a shit, mm-hmm. and he tells you all about it, and he's like, you can't fight crime with a dirty ass, which is really <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, this game was great. It was like just gameplay light enough where I was down for it whenever they gave me something to punch or you know throw a rock at or whatever. Um, and it was like has some point and click adventure game stuff, but there are not really puzzles that would stump you like I felt like I didn't need to go look something up which was usually what happens to me when I play a point and click adventure game this game leaves you few enough pieces that I feel like it's okay yeah and some people would say with like that's shallow or like there's no reason for the gameplay to be there if it's that easy but I, I felt it mixed it mixed the story up enough um it is worth reading every piece of text in this game of course yeah absolutely uh, I had so much fun with Norco, and I really didn't know what to expect with it. I think maybe a little bit towards the end it goes off the rails a touch, but I it's, kind of like what they have to say a little bit. It's I don't funny know. that you say that, because <laughs> towards the end, the game that started to remind me of the most was Frog Fractions. Okay. Because Frog Fractions, uh, I can spoil because it's been 10 years. Sure. Uh, Frog Fractions changes genre every five minutes after you discover the gimmick of the game. Mm-hmm. And Norco is willing to take you along for a ride on these different stories. Like, the way you traverse the game changes when you get a boat, or when you get a car, or when you go go get to a certain point in the game. It's like, oh, well, something different's happening now, so the way you explore the world is different. It's not you walk around from screen to screen like you were doing before. Now you have, like, a fucking Atari radar-looking thing that you're taking the boat around, and you have to avoid... uh, you know, uh, running aground. And yeah. you have to also have to find these objects that'll help you move on. 
and you can find this crazy eagle thing that I don't even know how to explain. Oh, man. Yeah, um, all, all that stuff gets so crazy, go heady, and so, mm-hmm. like, I bet you that they thought all this through so much, but it just reads as something so bizarre and incomprehensible. Uh-huh. <laughs> it feels special and unique, and I think that there should be more games like it. Yeah. And by that, I don't mean a game that does what this game does exactly. I mean a game that makes me feel this way. Absolutely. And I just... I touched on it earlier, but I love, love the aesthetic. I think mm-hmm. or the the visuals coupled with the setting, and I I think more games should be set in a specific place with a specific bent on it, like this is. Maybe not this exact thing, but rural Louisiana plus cyberpunk was so was such an X factor for me. Um, Definitely. Yeah, anyway. I'm happy that we both played this game, because it, it, it is the kind of thing that I feel like Sometimes only one of us would play, and it'd be hard to talk about why it's good. Yeah, it's it's easy. It's a lot easier when somebody else has also seen <laughs> what Norco, Louisiana, has to offer. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a lot going on there. Okay, so next on the list for me, this is a big one. This is top three easy. All right, this is Neon White. Ah. So Neon White is a first person platformer uh it's a first person shooter platformer that is mainly focused around getting a good time it reminds me almost of more attack speed run game yes it reminds me a lot of dust force if you've ever played that uh a game where you are trying to get a perfect run of a level um because in neon white you have to kill all the enemies in the level and make it to the exit but that Doing that will take about one minute, usually a lot less. The longest levels in this game are probably no longer than 45 seconds. When done optimally. And actually, probably when done optimally, they're probably a lot shorter than that. But, um, all the enemies are laid out in front of you and you're like, well, what's the fastest way to kill all of them? You pick up a card, which is your weapon, and that might be a pistol. And a pistol has, let's say, five shots. You can choose to shoot those shots, or you can discard the weapon, and that will give you a movement ability. So the pistol gives you a double jump when you discard it. So jumping on enemies, jumping on certain enemies will kill them. So you could say, I'm going to land on this enemy, and then I'm going to bounce off of it, and then I'm going to discard the pistol to use it as a double jump to reach this other enemy instead of shooting it, which will get me up higher so I can reach this next area, but now I don't have a weapon, so I need to go find another weapon. Or you make sure to conserve, you don't get rid of the uh, the, the weapon. Let's say you want to shoot it instead because you want to reach this other area quicker and you can find a spring up instead of bouncing off the enemy's head. And all of this to shave up a, off a couple of seconds so that you get a better time because you, the more medals you get, the more levels you unlock, the further you make it in the story. Some people say the story is cringe. I think that's just because they don't know people like that in real life, and I do. <laughs> and uh, look, sometimes people in real life are cringe. I don't know what to tell you. People make references to anime and shit in real life. That's something that happens. Uh, I don't think that this game is like the best written thing in the world or whatever, but I found its story enjoyable. Um, and but even if the story was total dog shit, what I was here for was yeah. getting those times down Three to get that seconds. perfect run. And I had the ideal experience listener. If you have a friend that is playing this game, it shows you their times on the leaderboards the when you clear it. Game. So 
uh, friend of the show, Tyler, I was beating his times every time I got the opportunity. And then he found out that I was playing the game and he went back to redo all his levels yeah. and try and beat my times so that we could, and we, I'm like, oh, I have to stop looking at these, otherwise I'll never actually finish it. This game fucking rules. And when you beat the game, you unlock a mode that deletes all the requirements and uh, cutscenes in between and just gives you all the levels back to back. So you, yeah, so, <laughs> and then if you beat that, it gives you a mode called Hell Rush mode where all the weapons are replaced with the rocket launcher, which you can rocket jump with. And when you discard it, it's a grappling hook. So, cool. so it's like, okay, throw it all in the trash. Here's the best weapon replacing every weapon pickup. So, what, how, what could you do to the level if we gave yeah. you this? Now absolutely break it open. Yes. <laughs> oh god, it's so much fun. And the the fucking breakcore soundtrack by Machine Girl is so good. It's like, it's perfect. It is, that That is a perfect fit for this game. And the actual story for this game, which is not that important, is that you are basically uh, given a chance to get to heaven, even though you're not worthy of it, by cleaning up the malcontents, by cleaning up demons who have slipped into heaven like kind of through the cracks. And that's why they keep sending you to these different places and that's why you're supposed to be earning scores because you're earning points towards your eventual <laughs> salvation. Yeah, that's and if that sounds a little fucked up, it is, but that's it's fun and like, God, this game is so good. I played hours and hours and hours of it and I didn't get sick of it. And if I, if I booted it up on my Switch right now, I could easily play another 10 hours. Um, but yeah, this, this was one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, you're talking about the, the, the general gameplay flow mm -hmm. immediately brought Super Hot to mind, but that's yes. kind of a different thing, probably. But I like the thought process of thinking through, okay, I'm going to punch this guy, I'm going to grab his gun, I'm mm -hmm. going to shoot him with the gun, then I'm going to throw my gun at this guy. Mm -hmm. That Thinking through that kind of problem solving is really fun. Mm -hmm. Going like, okay, I run faster if I'm on water. There's water down there, but that means I won't be at the right elevation to shoot this guy. So that means I have to shoot this guy before I jump down onto the water. Then, after I come off of the water, I can jump on the railing to the stairwell, not actually use the stairs, jump off the railing, onto the second layer, make sure I turn around and shoot the other guy that I can see now that I couldn't see before because I was too low because I was running on the water. And now, I, now that I shoot him, the exit opens up right as I step into it, which means I will shave 0.3 seconds off yeah. of my time from before. That stuff is also fun. I, I could definitely see myself playing this. Mm -hmm. I honestly was not interested because I heard the story was really bad. But um, I, it seems like something I would have fun with. I mm -hmm. uh, picked up off a sale or on Game Pass or mm -hmm. whatever. You can play it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I played it on Switch and it wasn't a huge detriment, but if you can, you should play this game on PC. Yeah. Because clicking on enemies is incredibly satisfying. I would want a mouse and keyboard this big mm -hmm. time, I think. Yes. But uh, yeah, no, that sounds fun. It's probably on my list if I were to catch up on mm -hmm. stuff from this year. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're getting to a big release, a huge release. Not oh, yeah. my favorite release of the year, uh -huh. but maybe the biggest, capital B biggest outside of Elden Ring. Mm -hmm. um, God of War colon Ragnarok. If I had put money on this, I would have lost. I was swearing up and down this game was not going to come out this year. <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, tried their best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm looking at the footage, I'm looking at the press releases, I'm like, I am telling you, this game is not fucking done. And... <laughs> Uh, I was being cynical, but look, look at me. I was wrong. I was very wrong. And uh, Alex, why don't you tell me what you thought of it? This was a game that I really expected to have to buy a PS5 to be able to play. Um, I think because they didn't make enough of them, uh, PS5s that is, mm -hmm. um, they said, fine, you can play it on PS4, which is great because um, 
I uh, liked this game, but maybe would have been a little disappointed if I bought an entire console for it. Um, this is the follow-up to the 2018 God of War reboot, God of War 4, depending on what you, if you ask. Um, this is... Uh, when I had heard that they were making this, and the, with how much they set up in 2018, I really expected this to be the middle entry in a trilogy. Mm -hmm. This very much is not. This is the end of this part of the story. Um, they run you through the rest of the Pantheon in a way that feels very satisfying in a God of War game. Um, immediately, right from putting the disc in, you are caught up in a really nice set-piece chase. They like don't let you take a breath. They like, introduce a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, in the first act, Odin comes and visits your house, and it's <laughs> like, oh shit, there's Thor, there's everybody. Um, it's all so well acted, of course, because these guys spend billions of dollars and abuse uh, all of their staff to make that happen. Uh, but it is a beautiful game. It is so well acted, and I was just so happy to see uh, my guys again. You know, I, I, I liked 2018 enough. I didn't really give a shit about the play very much because I liked the story. Um, I played it through on easy mode, and that's kind of where I sat here. I, I think I was on one notch above easy. Um, there's a little bit more to the combat in this one. Um, you get both of Kratos' weapons right off the bat. Um, kind of mid-game through the previous game, you go and you get his weapon from the original games, the Chains of Hell or whatever the fuck they're called. Um, now you have both of them right off the start, and there's a lot more environmental traversal puzzles you can do with them. Um, the cast is, like so much bigger. They introduced so many more characters while not getting rid of any of the characters that were in the previous game. Um, everyone is talking at you all the time and they all have cool, fun things to say. Uh, I'm always down for it. The story is interesting. Um, the first game was a lot more focused. You were trying to go to the highest peak in all the realms to spread your white mm. ashes. That's the game. And uh, everything else in between was detours on getting there or ways to help you get there. This game is so much more about, uh, okay, Ragnarok is coming, uh, um, Kratos' son Atreus is, uh, the reveal at the end of the previous game is that he is Loki. And you know that Loki causes a bunch of trouble because you know Greek mythology. Or um, Norse mythology, sorry. Um, but uh, this whole game is kind of about him wrestling with what, uh, what he's been told is his destiny and what he really thinks his destiny should be. Um, it's a lot more meandering. It's a lot more... I. It's more of an adolescent game. It is him, you know, a couple years older trying to figure out his place in this world. And it is interesting to see old man Kratos kind of wrestle with that. Uh, it's uh, like a stock standard, I'm making a video game and I'm a dad now stuff. But it is cool to see in a game with this much... Uh, polish and this much uh, money thrown at it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the story. Um, maybe a little bit too many detours through gameplay sections where people talk at you. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty full up on this kind of AAA video game now, I think. I think it'll be a little while. Is the loot 
shit as bad as it was in the first game. I didn't really... I, since I was playing it easy, I never had to give a shit about it, but you definitely are collecting things that you can use to upgrade things. It kind of makes my skin crawl. This is something that friend of the show, Noah, and I very much disagree on, but it kind of makes my skin crawl when I pick up a wrist guard that, you know, improves my yeah. uh, heavy attack by 0.0003%. Yep. Yeah, there's some of that stuff. Mostly it, you were collecting materials to upgrade into your stuff to give you plus three frost resist or whatever. Uh, which I mean, I, as long, I mean, I hear, I know everything I hear about the combat makes it sound good. It's Every, fine. Everything yeah. I hear about the story it's makes it sound good. It's not character action deep, yes. but it, there's enough there. Yes, there are things about this game that I think sounds very good, and I probably would enjoy this game if I sat down to it. But the thing that puts me off of it is like the the like opening a chest and getting that stuff, having that stuff happen. Yeah, I think they. I, it's been a while since I played the 2018 game, but uh, I they've added some collectibles and stuff that felt good and meaningful to get, but most of the time you are opening a chest and getting a bunch of silver and a gem that you can use to put into your wristband or whatever. <laughs> um, the story was great. I really, really liked what they did with it. Um, a lot of... Uh, I didn't do too many of the side quests, but the ones that I did were all kind of interesting and cool. Um, it was a good game, but it was a big, stupid, big-budget uh, AAA game, and I'm probably good on those for a little bit. <laughs> I really didn't play a lot of those. Uh, I didn't play a lot. I mean, for a long time well, now, I have... simply haven't made that many that are very interesting, I think. Like, I don't give a shit about Horizon, another game what that came out this year. What I played? <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it out loud. See, like, I played Witcher 3, but I played it seven years late. Yeah. You know I played Cyberpunk when it came out, so that yeah. was the la that was my last one. So end of 2020 was my last big AAA game. DLC for Cyberpunk coming out. Yeah, we'll although I played a, I played a couple of Nintendo games, so I, I guess that counts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think pretty much my last thing that I have to say, or my last game that I have to bring forward, is the big Nintendo game this year. So yes, we'll and that. we are going to talk about that together for sure. Yeah, give me your next one. Okay, I'm gonna double up again so we can go through this. Actually, yeah. no, no, I'll I'll, I'll say I'll. Uh, this one is going to be quick, and then we'll get into the to, to the big one that both of us are going to talk about. Cool. Um, this is Murphite. This is me breaking my rule on not playing games until they're out. Mm. So this is uh, made by a very small one-person dev team, and it was part of a charity event uh, run by a guy called Alex Alchemy for Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rican aid, and. It was really, uh, because of that, I was exposed to a lot of really cool things, including an incredible Dino Rex tournament. Dino Rex it is a terrible fighting game, but you should absolutely play it if you have the chance. Um, there was a game on the list called Murphite, and they're like, we're still looking for participants for the Murphite tournament. And I'm like, I've never heard of that. How come I've never heard of that? That's because the game's not out yet. It's still in uh, uh, early access, but it's being actively developed, and it's a one-on-one -on -one fighting game where all the characters are various uh, fish men and women where they have different like movesets based off of the kind of sea creature they're based on. Okay. And so you've got like a, uh, a shark who's heavy into rushdown. You've got an octopus woman who's a wrestler and a grappler and she can like use the tentacles coming out of her back to like grab you from mid screen and do like grappling moves on you. You've got electric eel stuff. You've got a manta ray king who never faces you because his eyes are on his back, so he's always looking at you from the back. That's and this game is really cool. It doesn't have the polish yet, but it's not done. 
And the colors in this game are amazing. The aesthetics are incredible. It practically feels like a SpongeBob episode sometimes with the bubbles rising up to, <laughs> to indicate a round is uh, over. That's a great touch. I got my ass kicked so bad in this tournament. This game's not even out, and there are already people who are so much better at it than me. <laughs> I was like, I was playing because I'm like, oh, I'm worried this game isn't going to have enough people in this tournament to fill out an eight-man bracket, and I want them to have that, which is why I downloaded this game. It is... Uh, free right now i think because it's not again it's not done yet but i'm always looking to try out indie fighting games and this one was a really fun time this totally fits the kind of thing i like and i really enjoy the mechanic of being able to like get energy like so you know how in smash brothers coin battles right have you ever played those Mm. when you knock coins out of someone you get the opportunity to get them immediately afterwards just by jumping and picking them up. Yeah. Or if coins are knocked out of you, you can still get them. Yeah. Uh, and it could in that way, you could still get this. You can get meter in this game by collecting these bubbles that are knocked out of the person when you hit them. That's fun. And that gives you the opportunity to do these crazy moves, to do these crazy combos that you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't manipulate yourself in just the right way to get these resources. Yeah, I can feel like that, that sounds, seems like it would be something to fold into a combo. It's like yes. being in the position to grab the stuff that yeah. comes out. And I want to say that when this game is 1.0, I'm going to buy it. But until then, I, I'm happy to evangelize it. Not every fighting game has to have fucking uh, Bizarro and uh, <laughs> the Shredder in it to get me to like it. I'm always willing to try something new. Which reminds me, I should slip this in. I forgot to write it down, but I'm only remembering it now that I say it out loud. There is a game called that was called Yomi Hustle, and now is called Your Only Move is Hustle. <laughs> uh, this game is a turn-based fighting game that is also not out yet. Really, really crazy cool. You've got stick figure characters, the cowboy, the ninja, and the wizard. And they have a bunch of special moves and normal moves that you click on, and you pick it, and your opponent picks and then it happens. Like, the next frame oh, is an interaction. At the end of the match, when someone wins, it plays it all out, and you get to see, like, how crazy fast that's it is. Cool it looks like, looks like a fucking episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Cannot wait for this game to reach 1.0. Go check it out on Itch. Go wishlist it on Steam. This game is the coolest. Alex, let's talk about the big, dumb, disappearing Pokemon elephant in the room. <laughs> so, uh... The second, uh, maybe third Pokemon game to come out this year. That's right. <laughs> Depending on how you look at it. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet came out this year, mm-hmm. and I played Scarlet version. I also um, played Scarlet version. This was a, when, uh, you know, all the way probably two hours ago when Nick mentioned having played Pokemon Legends Arceus at the beginning of the year. Um, I had said that I, I was excited that that did well because I, it, boded, it boded well for this new one. Um, open world Pokemon has been a thing that people have wanted for so long. On top of MMO Pokemon, which is another whole thing. But, and they don't think uh, through what they actually mean or what they're no. really what they're really asking for when they say that. They don't know. And I think that this I really went in blind with this more so than usual. I think ever since Pokemon started doing worldwide worldwide releases all at once, uh, I think at Gen Six maybe is when they started doing that. Um, I didn't do leaks or anything. I didn't look at any of that stuff because for a while it was when the, ga- the games came out six months later because they had to localize them. Uh, but I, ever since then I've been so, so into not looking at any of the guys and getting to experience them for the first time in the game, seeing what new fucked up little creatures they created. And this game has maybe the best new batch of fucked up little creatures they've done in a it long sure does. time. It really, really does. Um, I did spoil myself on them 
not on really on anything else that happens in the game, but just looking at the new little guys. Uh, and there are some real winners in this generation, I gotta say. Yeah. I uh, wasn't... I didn't really look into much of the context of the story or anything, really, so it was all pretty new to me. I, it, It's interesting to do a Pokemon game where you're at school, mm -hmm. um, and then very quickly after the tutorial they say go explore the world which is great uh, i think the tutorial still drags a little bit but it's nowhere near as bad as the previous games I or think. arceus which has a legendarily <laughs> shitty intro That's, i swear yeah, to wow. god that game is an hour and a half of nothing yeah. for a game that eventually opens up in a really interesting and cool way I don't know why it had to be like that. Yeah, I was, when I had heard, or, you know, when the game started and they're like, you're going to school, I was going to be like, oh, did they put Persona in here? Does that mean this is an open world game that's on rails? I'm like, oh boy, uh, this isn't good. But a lot of that stuff is optional and I actually still haven't done it, even though I put 100 hours in Emily school. did some of it. This would have been a good time to have her on. <laughs> but um, they give you the intro and then they give you the three different quest lines that you have to go explore and then they say go ahead and do it um it took me a little while to figure out that there's no level scaling in this game it is just where uh the gyms all have kind of a rough order and they'll tell you about how tricky they are but it's mostly how hard a thing is to get to determines how high level the pokemon will be and how mm -hmm. uh which order you should probably do them in yes um but i I really liked talking with people and hearing what order people did things, and the map screen keeps up with that, and you know will count mm -hmm. uh, which which ones. I did things out of order by accident. Everyone I've talked to so far has had an experience of reaching an area that isn't quite something they're ready for yet. Yeah. And how they chose to persevere or where they chose to go after that was always fun. Um, I really like how in this game all trainer battles are optional. Yep. You have to choose to engage with them when you see them. I basically uh, never did. <laughs> I, I found myself very underleveled in some late game stuff because I wasn't engaging in that and because I loved too many of these little freaks. I kept swapping them in and out of my team so they weren't necessarily high, as high level as maybe they could have been. Which meant, for the first time since Gen 4, uh, I found the final boss of a Pokemon game challenging. Ah, I, was, I was almost 20 levels underleveled. Alright. <laughs> so... I, I maybe was uh, pushing things a little bit, but I found I found that I was having quite a good time, and I didn't want to mess with it. Yeah, the open-endedness of this was great. I, I think it was... I uh, One of the other reasons I didn't play with Pokemon Legends Arceus was because I didn't want to... Um, I didn't want to kind of adulterate my experience with an open-world Pokemon game, knowing that the real one was about to come out. So I was... I, mm -hmm. I kind of wanted this to be the one that like, even though some of these editions were in RCS, mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to experience it all here for the first time. And that really worked for me. I This is the only Pokemon game I have ever caught them all in, uh, at least as far as what's in the National decks, and I did it pretty quickly, because you can just see a guy, and you go and get into battle and throw one Pokeball at him, and you got it. It is so much more interesting than running around in a patch of grass until you get the random encounter you want. Right. Getting to see the guy... Catching is easy in this game. Not as easy as Arceus, which is uh, yeah. understandable, but I miss I miss being able to throw a Pokeball without get, engaging in a battle. But, mercifully, encounters are so quick to get into and out of in this game that yeah. it is not a problem. It's great. And I 
I'm glad that they don't, as janky as some of the camera stuff can be, I'm glad that they don't cut to a battle screen. It just takes place on wherever you are. Um, all that stuff is really good. There's an auto battle feature, which I really didn't use a ton, but is fun to just uh, send out your guy and have him go beat up a couple of, uh, <laughs> a couple of Psyduck that you go see. Um, I just had so much fun with this, and I think the past and future gimmick is really good. I like seeing the different versions of the Pokemon from the different eras, and um, I am a big competitive guy. I've been really getting into playing with what's meta right now, and it's been kind of growing with uh, where that metagame is right now and how much it is changing. Um, I've been going along on this, but uh, one more thing I have to mention in this game is I think terrestrializing is the best gimmick they've done maybe ever since I, Megas at least. Yeah, I mean I loved Mega Evolution, but it was very specific. Helped some way more than it helped others. Yeah, um, terrestrializing is almost universally useful because it gives you the opportunity to trick your opponent. It's so much better than like I, Dynamax is such a lazy thing. I mean, Sword and Shield in general were very lazy games. I think. Personally. I agree. Um, and Game Freak is notorious for um, maybe not uh, putting as much into their games as they should. But um, I thought Dynamax was so stupid, and it just made any po you click one button and your Pokemon immediately has like twice as much health. Um, this add so much more mind games and prediction and it, it enhances all the things that you already are doing when you're playing Pokemon against a, uh, another player or against a computer. Um, having to think about if I use this super effective move against this guy, will he change to a type that it doesn't affect or is, mm -hmm. or is resistant to and then kill me? Yes. <laughs> is all cool. And thinking about the... He's going to change his uh, same type attack boost. He's going to change his resistance. He's going to change what he can even be affected by. Yeah. That electric guy just turned into a flying guy and now the ground move doesn't work. It's the best trick. And because you can only use it once per battle and because generally you can kind of guess what their terror type might be or what is the most useful one for them yeah. to have. You can play around that it. It also means that there's mind games because you could pick a less useful terror type yeah. so that your opponent doesn't know what's going on. And it might only buy you one turn, but that could be everything. Yeah. And then, like, one more thing, like, about how this gimmick is so good is that it has made, uh, on top of the kind of limited availability of what Pokemon are in the game, um, it has also made a lot of Pokemon that have been around since, like, Gen 1 or 2 actually pretty viable and fun again because you can get rid of their weaknesses uh, very easily. Um, Dragonite is good again wow. uh, because you can make him normal type and spam extreme speed. That's pretty fun. <laughs> and he's not 4x weak to anything. Um, it's just so fun. I, I've been uh, I been training some Pokemon so that I can fight against some of our friends, but uh, I have mostly just been turning it on out of reflex <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> to go and do a raid battle every so often or just go and run around. I've finished the Pokedex and the main game, but I still am finding excuses to turn that game on. Mm. I didn't finish the Pokedex. I finished the main game. I saw the credits. Uh, this game is a lot of fun. It doesn't make like my top list of the year because to me it is, it is a above average Pokemon game. It does a lot of cool stuff, but I don't think it truly is the next step that would really make me say... 
wow, this is not just a great Pokemon game, but a great RPG or a great... Yeah, yeah. you're still grading on the yeah. Pokemon scale. Yes, I am grading <laughs> on the Pokemon scale, and that includes all of the many numerous technical problems yep. this game has, as well as the pacing problems the game has, where it will it really is willing to just stop you dead in your tracks and have a character say something that's not interesting before fading to black instead of showing them getting on their bike or whatever. <laughs> like, yep. it, they, they, the, the 3D model can't do that. Uh... And then it surprises you when a character comes out on a big giant car Pokemon and you got to fight them. Or, you know, when uh, you're in an area that you thought was just the next uh, evolution of, of the previous area you were in, and something that's 20 levels higher than it was in the last area just pops up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, do I got to run away from this? Or no, can I, can I make this work? Can I catch it? What's going on here? Or, uh, you know, some, some of the silly story stuff that's, that's fun. And kind of even giving you, like, different chances to work on this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, found it, I found it really enjoyable. I, I had a good time with this. Yeah. It was, uh, I maybe even liked it a little more than I should as a person who's been playing these Pokemon games for forever. And uh, should expect more from Game Freak. Uh, I was still really surprised. I am playing what I think of now as the real game, in quotes, which is making a, <laughs> uh, a team that can actually withstand some battle stuff. Yeah. That's what I what I really enjoy with this uh, game. And this game makes it easier than ever, so i got to yeah. say, that's that's pretty fun. Is that your last one? You that's got pretty else? much my last one. I, um, I can go back and forth with you for two more, just talking about the uh, live games that have disappointed me this year. <laughs> All right, well, let's see. I got... I got three left, so, right. so we'll make this pretty cool. easy. This next one I'm going to try not to talk about for too long because it makes me sound insane. This is Marvel Snap. Uh, Marvel Snap is a free-to-play mobile card game with tons of like op- options for microtransactions. It's got like three different currencies or whatever <laughs> in it. But this is made by Ben Brode, who was previously the game director on Hearthstone. Hearthstone. Um, and his uh, team at Second Dinner, which was the is the name of the That's studio. That's a good studio. So Second Dinner and Ben Brode and these these guys, they made a collectible Marvel card game that has an incredible amount of strategy and fun to it. But what really gets me is that the numbers are small, the matches are small and very quick. When you hit play match, you will be done with most likely within two minutes. All right. And You've got three locations to work with. You play uh, your cards at each location. And your cards are Spider-Man. It's the thing. It's Ghost Rider. But it's also a bunch of fucking losers nobody but me cares about. You know? It's also Swarm, the villain who's made all out of bees. It's also Strong Guy, who called himself that in the original uh, issue of X-Factor because he was annoyed that somebody asked him to come up with a code name. So he's like, fine, I'm Strong Guy. And they're like, fuck you, come up with a real one. And he said, no. Uh, so yeah, like characters like Strong Guy and Swarm are integral parts to your deck in a way that, for example, Scott Cyclops, a much more famous and well-known character, might not be as useful because they have certain deck effects and effects on your card. When Swarm is discarded, he comes back to your hand, uh, two in split in two now, uh, so duplicated, but he costs nothing, so you can play him for free. Whereas normally there's a cost to each card, so you only have a certain amount of energy that goes up by one each turn, and that means you can play more powerful more powerful cards every turn. But there are ways to make cards cost less, there's ways to make other people's cards in their hands cost more, and there's little terrain effects 
that uh, change what you're playing on. And it's so easy for me to talk about how crazy good this is. This game could have been fucking terrible and people would still be yeah. playing it <laughs> yeah. because they would like, hey, you know, we joked about with Cam earlier uh, that he would like to have some Marvel JPEGs. He would like to collect some Marvel JPEGs. And they, these are some good Marvel JPEGs, you know? These are some good images, really great art, really great drawings, and ones they got specially for the game. And you can level up these cards and make them glow. And when you do that, uh, it moves you towards the collection path of getting more and cooler cards. And all that stuff is really cool. That's where the predatory uh, mobile game stuff is. But it really, because the game is good, you truly do not need to engage with that. You can make a deck out of whatever you happen to get randomly. They give you, for free at the beginning, all of the cool guys that you ex would expect them to make you wait for. Iron Man, right. Hulk, Captain America, they're all right there in the beginning. Wow. They're like... Uh, uh, Hawkeye, Ant-Man, um, like a surprising number of the characters that you really care about are right there at the beginning. And then you'll be like, man, I fucking, I can't, I really need Wong. If I could just get Wong, <laughs> yes. this deck would be complete. Wong is like a super late game, hard to get card. But, you know, Doctor Strange is, in by comparison, is more straightforward and earlier on. So you'll find yourself wanting cards that are for these characters that like nobody but losers like me care about. Yeah. Uh, the Infinite, who is like a minor villain that's not even a villain, is like a, a really crazy card because you have to intentionally not play any cards on your previous turn in order to bring them out. Uh, <laughs> and like th there's stuff like that. This game is littered with stuff like that. This game is so fucking good. The only, my biggest complaint is something they've already said they're addressing in a patch coming next year, which is that this game does not have direct pvp i couldn't go up to you with my phone uh, to your phone and say let's play a match together there's only random matchmaking online, yeah. yeah but uh this game is on steam it's on my goddamn phone and it's so good i've taken to doing it while i'm on the elliptical and it's really great for in, for keeping myself distracted while i'm doing cardio and it's just a it's just a good game in general even if i I'm, i don't need it to be a distraction i don't need it to be any of this stuff i don't need it to even be good but it is yeah and i truly was blown away by marvel snap this year when i think of these kinds of games that are ways to collect pictures of guys you like uh -huh. i a lot of them i i now i haven't played these games but i a lot of the japanese gacha games mm -hmm. come to mind like uh, playing like fate uh -huh. grand order or uh, love live or something and a lot of those, the game seems very incidental yes. to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I, I have a new servant that I pulled. It's a very cool picture, but also I can use it in battle. Right. This seems like uh, whenever I hear someone talk about Marvel Snap, it is always the game <laughs> that they are like enjoying. Because the game is very good. <laughs> yeah. And like, but the game part of this probably didn't need to be good. Like no, you said. It's no. Like, so to give it a counterexample, right? Um, I downloaded earlier this year One Piece Treasure Cruise, which I did not put on my list because it, I didn't make it 30 minutes into this <laughs> game. And I was like, I could easily be suckered in with pictures of One Piece characters yeah. because I think that that's cool and fun and I like those guys. I love all those wacky guys. And the guys who suck, like the ones who were named once. Whoop Slap is the name of a mayor <laughs> from early on in the series. And like, if I got him, I'd be like, wow, that's great. I don't need Luffy or whatever. But... This game was not good. It felt like slow, bad Fire Emblem, and it wasn't keeping me going. And I was like, if the game is going to be like this, then I don't care what JPEGs I get. Yeah. I'm not going to be interested in playing it. So 
Marvel Snap, I downloaded on a whim because I had heard people, I, I had heard um, Ash Parrish uh, talk about it. Okay. And uh, she's written some really cool articles about it. And um, I got to say, this game really knocked me on my ass. I was not expecting it to be as good as it was. I Like I said, I, this game could have been bad and I would still have played a decent amount of it. Yeah. But it's instead really good. So I got to say, and I'm not a card game guy, usually. Yeah. I, I'm really not susceptible to this sort of thing, normally. I uh, People got really into inscription, the inscription card game, so much so that when uh, that game becomes less about the cards, people are not interested in it yeah, anymore. The cards back I didn't feel that way. <laughs> I, like, I thought it was fine, but it wasn't it, captivating to me, but this was, and I just needed to say that. Yeah, that sounds great. I, 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 I definitely be card game sympathetic, but mm-hmm. it's just like... Um, you know, Marvel's not as much my bag, but uh, I definitely, it's cool to hear when one of these hits because it's a good game and not because it's crammed with microtransactions and it's got a picture of Ant-Man in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is good to hear that. Yes. Um, speaking of crammed with microtransactions, mm-hmm. um, I played Warzone 2.0 this God year. God damn. Um, they rebooted Warzone. <laughs> I heard that from my cousin. At, 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 on Christmas Day, my cousin was talking about how uh, we were having a conversation about how he had played Elden Ring and he doesn't normally play games like that and he's normally just a Call of Duty guy and when he said that, I said, I need you to explain something to me. When people say they're playing Warzone, <laughs> they don't mean the game Call of Duty Warzone. They mean a mode within the newest game. <laughs> right? And he said... Well, yes, sort of. And no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, Warzone has always been this weird thing because it was like their fast follow battle royale thing. But it was, as far as I know, it was attached to the latest Call of Duty game at the time. But since it was popular, they kind of uh, grafted onto the side of whatever new Call of Duty game comes out every year. But you still launch it through uh, Warzone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I. This is something that I've been playing with my friends um, because Battle Royales are really fun to just fuck around in. Um, it's a great uh, excuse to talk with your buddies while uh, uh, getting mad at uh, strangers online. Uh, but uh, we would play a very specific mode of Warzone where you can respawn as long as your one of your teammates is alive. Mm-hmm. See, so it's a lot more arcadey. You can get way more kills and the map is smaller. So you see more people and get into more action. That sounds like a lot of fun. Is that move have a name? Uh, Rebirth, I believe. Okay. Um, it's way more fun than the big map of Warzone because, like, uh, I also, Cam and I both really got into PUBG when that game came out. Uh, and that game is so much more slower paced than Call of Duty ever was. Um, but when they grafted that, when they lifted that Battle Royale mode, they w- added an impossibly huge map that you drop into and you get into a couple fights and then die. Um, it, that pace of play is um, still something that I like, but is like pretty boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so anyway, so this year they threw all of that out. They said, no, we won't be doing that mm-hmm. anymore. We're launching Warzone 2.0 uh, to co- go along with Modern Warfare 2. I don't know, mm-hmm. whatever the new, they're making one more Modern Warfare 2 too. That's this the one. Year. Um, and so they threw that mode that we liked out. You can't do that anymore. You have to play on the big map of Warzone. Uh. Um, 
Instead, they replaced it with a different mode that they call DMZ. Of course, Demilitarized Zone, I believe, is what they call it. But um, they're basically lifting Escape from Tarkov, which was kind of a niche hit in the multiplayer mm -hmm. game space. Um, smaller studio. I thought the whole deal with Tarkov was that it was VR. No. I'm confusing it You're for a different Pavlov. one. I'm thinking of Pavlov. Yeah. God damn it. Great game. <laughs> um, but uh, Escape from Tarkov is like a... Uh, it's actually also a lot like um, Hunt Showdown, except without any of the cool aesthetics that that game has. Um, you are dropping into a map, and you have a specific objective, or you pick up missions when you go in. Um, and it is all about um, cutting your losses. It's all about extracting before you die. Because mm -hmm. if you die with gear, you lose it. Mm -hmm. um, and whatever you can come back from the zone with, and you get to keep and you can bring out on another mission. I think there are upgrades. I haven't played too much of this new DMZ mode, but um, there are other players on the map with you, but there are also AI soldiers everywhere. Um, and they actually do kind of put up a fight. Um, it's an interesting new mode, and it's something that we've fucked around with a little bit, but it definitely doesn't replace the fast-paced fun that we were used to. Um, and it is just gone that version of the game that, that we like sucks man <laughs> i think that they're adding it back i i don't know how any of this shit works and i We're don't bring it back it yeah but it is funny that they turned off the game that we liked and replaced it with a different game that we don't like as much um but that's uh video games i guess <laughs> all right um, your next one okay uh, let's see. I have one more after this. Yeah. Um, I got two. Disappointing online game. I got two, so we, this will be perfect. All so right. uh, I'll do one, then you do one, then I'll do one. Cool. Uh, this one is going to be quick. I played Roller Drome this year. Um, Roller Drome is a game that was made, uh, it was a, originally a Game Jam game, uh, made for Game Makers Toolkit's uh, Game Jam. Yeah. And um, uh, it was basically like, hey, what if, in Tony Hawk, you while you were keeping your combo going, there were enemies that you could kill, and that would also keep your combo going, uh, outside of doing tricks. And it's like, well, that's a really cool idea. It's kind of like a Tony Hawk Hotline Miami thing, uh, where there's like a skate park filled with guys who are shooting at you, and you also have like fucking bayonetta witch time. You cool. bayonetta witch time out of the way so you can shoot <laughs> the guys, and the guys make your combo go up, but you have to do tricks to reload. So Ooh, you go cool. up. So like, there's no reload button. You got to do a grind, or you got to do a spin, or you got to do a, a vert, or whatever. Because if you don't do any of those, then you will run out of ammo, and you need ammo to kill all the guys. The level ends when you kill all the guys. Mm. You want a big score because your score determines if you unlock the next level. Now that's the whole game. What I just said right there. You unlock new. <laughs> the, you unlock new weapons, and there are new levels, and there is a plot that I actually think is kind of cool. Because it's a lot about like using spectacle to deflect from real problems, and of course, what's bigger spectacle than a blood sport where you're on rollerblades? <laughs> sure. Um, but in my general verdict is that this game is insanely cool, and I hope they make another one or whatever else they want to do. But there is simply too much shit in this game. <laughs> there is too much shit that you have to focus on at once, and there are a lot of accessibility features you can turn on that are actually That's quite great. nice, and that I would recommend if you're overwhelmed by this game. Uh, like they have like a okay 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 we get it infinite ammo fine you don't have to yeah. do tricks to reload don't worry about doing you don't things. have to do tricks to reload or like your combo takes longer to drop or That's something like one. that if, if you um, like put that on a slider and yes be sad. they've got some good stuff there and this game is very playable because of that because otherwise the uh, like kind of score requirements on levels could make this really hard 
And, and if you just can't continue, yeah, you get a high enough score, yeah, yeah. So the, you want to see all this game because this game has really cool levels and cool stuff it does with enemies, cool uh, weapons that it gives you. I thought this game was excellent, uh, but it doesn't quite reach the highest highs of the uh, of, of some of the other stuff that this game. that came out this year. Yeah, not the best Uh, score attack this year. No, no, not the best score attack this year, but honestly, I would feel really bad to compare anything to Neon White in terms (laughs) of that sort of style of gameplay for the perfect run where everything goes right and you feel creative and fast and powerful all at once. Um, Roller Drum, good. Not the best, but still a really great effort, and I'm, I'm proud of the dev team. Your turn. All right. Uh, we're rounding it out with another stinker. Um, Overwatch 2 came out this year. Oh. Another game where they replaced the first one. They, uninst- <laughs> they uninstalled Overwatch for you. We joked about the National Overwatch Day of Amnesty back in October. <laughs> yeah. October 4th, I believe it was. So I played a little bit of this when it came out. Um, I have always enjoyed playing Overwatch because it is they, well, they ripped off Team Fortress 2, my favorite game ever. Um, so, of course, I will have fun with it. Um, but a lot of my issues with Overwatch are still kind of here. Um, I never really felt at home in the whatever engine Blizzard uses for this game. Um, I could sit around in the Source engine all day, but just the way that they do momentum and physics in Overwatch just always felt a little bit clunky to me. Um, that's still there because this is basically the exact same game. Uh, they updated it and then they put a 2 in on the name. Uh, there's a PvE mode coming eventually, but it's not even here yet. <laughs> um, and you have to pay for that, I think, too. Uh, this is just was an excuse to play Overwatch again. And um, they added a couple... I think they added two new heroes, and then I got to play with some of the heroes that I didn't get to play with because I stopped playing Overwatch. Um, the new character Sojourn was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, she's a Canadian with a big railgun. Uh, and uh, she basically power crept Soldier 76 out of the game because he j- you just have basically an auto rifle, but you have a more useful rest of your kit. Um, what the fuck, man? She does, uh, when you shoot with your railgun, you build up a charge. And once you have uh, high enough charge, you can uh, ult fire with the railgun, and it shoots a big railgun shot in a straight line that can crit people from across the map and kill them. It is so satisfying. It's a really fun kit. Um, instead of Soldier's Sprint, she has like a slide, and then you can jump out of the slide to go about twice your normal jump height. Um, it's a really fun kit, and her ultimate basically just charges up that ult fire railgun really fast. So you can just use your ultimate and just right click dome people left and right. Um, incredibly fun. Uh, the other hero that I really played a lot of. Um, was actually a rework. Um, I don't know if they did this in Overwatch 1 or if this is new for Overwatch 2, but um, they completely reworked how Bastion worked, the character who used to walk around and then turn into an immobile turret. Uh, now he turns into a turret that can move around a little bit. which he is... turns, So he basically turns into a tank. Yes. Uh, That's interesting. so cool. And not tank in like a class way, like a vehicle. Yeah, it's his old ultimate used to turn him into a tank that shot projectiles, which uh, now they kind of just put the minigun on that instead and turn it into a thing you can do on cooldown, which is so fun because you can uh, you can play him more like heavy. You can like you know transition into minigun mode around a corner or mm-hmm. jump down onto someone 
when they're not expecting you, and you can just immediately kill them because you have some of the best DPS in the game for a couple seconds. Um, one of the tweaks they made for Overwatch 2 is they made it so that uh, it's not 6v6, it's 5v5. That one seems kind of haphazard. Well, it does mean that you can only have one tank per team if you're playing the class role setups, which means that you don't have two barriers to shoot through all the time. Uh -huh. You usually only have one or a character that some of the tanks don't have shields that they put up. They have other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it makes someone like Bastion, who was always kind of stymied by a big shield in their face, uh, a lot more useful. Mm -hmm. um, it was incredibly fun to rack up kill streaks by just dropping on people in t turret mode and blasting away. Um, his new ultimate is like a mortar that you shoot that like makes a big ring in the ground and then the uh, shell comes down. Uh, people didn't really know what this was at launch, so I absolutely got a bunch of like six or uh, four or five kills just uh, that I absolutely didn't deserve. Um, I still had a ton of fun with this, but Overwatch is still Overwatch. I like absolutely lost interest after like two weeks, <laughs> <laughs> and I probably won't be playing it again uh, anytime soon. Um, it's uh, still a fun game that I don't play with anyone and doesn't update often enough to keep my interest. <laughs> That's pretty annoying. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't need another forever game. I'm good. So I'm going the other way on this. This is the last game I played this year. Uh, something that I picked up last week uh, on a whim. And uh, it, it's, it's, its story arc has been followed through this entire year, but I only jumped on the bandwagon really late. This is Vampire Survivors. Mm. Vampire Survivors is a game that started using stolen Castlevania sprites where you um, you pick one character and they're one tiny sprite and you're being flooded with enemies, you know, bats, zombies, skeletons, and all that. And every time you kill a certain amount of them and pick up the gems they drop, you level up and you're given an opportunity to pick from three options. And that could be another weapon, or it could be an upgrade, like gain experience faster, or uh, have a bigger range for your weapon. Um, and a lot of these weapons are based around the sub-weapons in Castlevania, for example, a Bible that uh, circles you in orbit for briefly before disappearing, or a cross that acts like a boomerang that gets thrown and then comes back in an arc, uh, or a whip that goes out and then comes back uh, very quickly, but has a kind of a big range. Um, now these things are useful, and it's useful to have as many of them as you possibly can, because when I say there are a lot of enemies, I mean the screen is flooded with them. I mean the screen is filled with them. I mean there are a million on the screen, and you need to keep alive through that. The level could go on forever. There is stuff hidden in the level that you could find, and the, le the level doesn't end when you kill a boss or something. The level ends when you die, and that's it. The only way for the game to end that level is for you to die. So you're, you start in a, in a big graveyard and your, your goal is to just survive for as long as possible. And then if you make it to level 20, like your character personally making it to level 20 in that graveyard, then it unlocks the next stage. And you unlock a couple more characters maybe along the way. And they have slightly different things. I particularly like the garlic that you unlock, which is like a little AOE damage thing that where you walk into enemies, they take damage immediately. Uh, and there's so much fun stuff in this game. A lightning ring that makes lightning strike at kind of random intervals, uh, but only it only strikes when there's enemies around. So it doesn't just go off at all times. The whip goes off at all times. The, the Bible goes off at all times. 
but this game can snowball so quickly. A run can be five minutes a run, uh, but if a run is 20 minutes, it means you are putting out so many projectiles that you can barely tell what's going on on the screen. And by the time That's you great. do die, you'll say, I could literally couldn't see what killed me because I was filling the screen with so much bullshit. It wasn't even the enemy's fault. I was shooting projectiles and striking with lightning, and uh, you uh, eventually realize that certain weapons and upgrades will combine together naturally if you kill a boss enemy while you're holding both of them. So the fireball and the spinach uh, combine to give you these giant flaming skulls that shoot out. The, um, uh, the fucking lightning ring and the duplicator combine to give you these, this incredible arcing lightning that bounces from enemy to enemy and shoots all over the place. The axe and the uh, crown, I want to say, combine to shoot scythes and that spin out from you like you're the boss and they're the player character. Like you're doing all this fucking death from Castlevania 3 shit. <laughs> and it's so much fun. It's so cool. Very clearly made by, I think, two people. The game just had, the game is $5 and it had DLC come out for two. So go get it. Like it's on mobile, it's on Steam. It's amazing. Yeah, it's been a fun success story to see kind of in the periphery because this is like it, it's i almost dismissively called it an idle game once but there's more to it than that of course yes. but it is that you kind do of, need to move around <laughs> it is that kind of low intensity game where you get to see all the cool stuff happen mm -hmm. um it, when you were describing it it really reminded me of like the kind of thing that appeals to me in like a binding of isaac or yeah, a thing we did for the show this year, Risk of Rain 2. Yes. Just piling on a catamari of insane shit. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and that appeal is totally there, but also the appeal of, because it is levels, losing is not that big a deal. If this is not a roguelike or whatever where you go right. back to you the beginning when you die. Progression a little. Um, yeah, you, you stay on the stage, but because you pick a character and the character always starts at level one, um, you can get a different upgrade path than you got before, mm -hmm. either by random chance or by your choices which can lead to different swarms of projectiles and effects happening on the screen than before, or uh, whether you chose that intentionally or you just didn't get the luck you got last time. And there's so much. This game could have just been, for $5, right? The game could have just been one level. It could have been one screen and the characters that you were unlocking from the start, and that would have been fine. I would still be talking about how good it is right now. paid more for less games. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so for, I have already played around eight hours of this game, and I played it for the first time on December 23rd, which was six days ago. All right. So this game rules. <laughs> I cannot recommend it highly enough, and that is the end of our 2022 wow, you game made it, everyone. Yes, Thanks you made it through what us. might be two episodes with me looking at the time. <laughs> um what would you what's what's coming up next year that you're excited about? Oh, video game wise? Yeah. Um I wish I had prepared something. There definitely are a couple of new releases. Well, I could ask you a different that. question instead. All right. Can you give me a top three? They don't have to be in order. Of of what of everything we talked about today. Oh, okay. Um it's Elden Ring for uh -huh. sure, with a bullet. Um I think next to that it might have to be uh, I want to say Pokemon, but I also want to say Norco. I think okay. that those, that's probably the, the three. Okay. I don't know so, what's two and what's three there. But. For me, uh, the I had a lot of fighting games on my list. The best fighting game experience I had this year was TMNT Cross Justice League Turbo, and it is not particularly close. Uh, so that is number one for me. 
and then I got Elden Ring, which I mean, I gotta, I gotta have Elden Ring. It was, it was incredible. It was so good. It's so good. Yeah, and, uh, I'll be replaying yes. it for years. Yes, um, <laughs> it's like all I, I owe myself a mage playthrough, which I haven't done yet. That's good. And um, there are a lot of really good games on this list, but uh, Neon White hit me harder than all of them. Neon White hit me right in the perfect spot. Uh, my Switch says I played it for 25 hours. I don't think that's accurate. I think I, I there there's no way that's right. Even though these levels are so short, I must have put more time into that game, man. Just just getting my times a little bit lower, reaching the credits, uh, reaching the secret levels, reaching all the extra stuff. Uh, it just I I don't simply don't understand how I could not have put my entire life and soul into that game. Yeah. Uh, it was very very good. Listeners, thank you for making it to the end of this journey. You've beaten this episode. That's right. You've seen the credits, and now you can add it to your own list. Be sure to send to us what your game of the year 2022 Ooh, is. I would man. love to read it off if you've made it this far. This will be an incre- this will be a great test to see that. Uh, and we'll see you next year when video games come out again. Ooh. Good night. <laughs>